0: Hi, welcome to today's episode of EPIC Conversations. This podcast is a series of conversations about the issues related to parents and carers living with teenagers in crisis. I'm Madeline, one of the founding directors of Empowering Parents in Crisis, otherwise known as EPIC. And I'm Roberta. I'm a regular member of this amazing parent peer support group. EPIC understands that it's not always possible to get to a peer support meeting or a counselling session, and we want this podcast to be a source of information that parents and carers can tap into when they need it. EPIC acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land on which we record this podcast today and pays respect to Elders past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people listening to this EPIC conversation. We are very fortunate to have Sam with us today. Sam is a school student support officer. We'll discuss the supports within our schools and how parents and carers can work together with schools to support teens when challenges arise. Hi, Sam. Thanks for joining us today.
1: Hey, Mads. Happy to be here.
0: Thank you very much for coming. Um, Okay, so Sam, you're a school student support officer or SSO. Can you please explain the role of a school
1: student support officer? Yeah, absolutely. I think our role's new. So I think there's a lot of confusion about what we actually do in a school. So we're basically youth workers in a school. So our primary role and purpose is early intervention and prevention. So counsellors sort of work with kids when they've already reached that level. But our job is to kind of see students and kind of have programs and strategies in place to help them maybe not get to that pointy end of kid. Our other really great thing that we have as an SSO and our asset is like our external resources and providers. So we bring those into school and outside of school. So it's kind of trying to make things easier for parents and carers and students to get access to things outside of school. So we help with that wraparound support. We sit in the middle between the school counselors or school psychologists and then year advisors. So we're like a really handy middle ground And um, yeah, it's a really exciting role and opportunity that we now have.
0: Really, really good. So it's like a link kind of between organisations, schools, parents, a welcome space. Absolutely. And does every school have an SSO officer?
1: Um, At the moment, we've just hit our final phase of employment. So there might be a couple of high schools that are now missing an SSO, but every high school in New South Wales should now have an SSO, which is really awesome.
0: Wow. Okay. So you've, you've touched on the difference between a school counsellor and an SSO. So the school counsellor really is there when children have met the stage of needing regular support. So you, how would you support a child within the school?
1: I mean, look, I guess it depends because there's so many different umbrellas that kids fall under. Um, I guess my difference is I see, or maybe I start off seeing lower level kids. Um, I think the great thing about my role is I don't have a stigma attached to me. So half the kids at school don't know what I am when I say it all the time. And they're like, no, like you're just Miss Sam, like, you know, and then they're like, are you a counselor? I'm like, oh, no, I'm not, I'm this. Um, But it's really helped with breaking down the barrier of support in school. And the best thing about an SSO is we get to be the face well-being in a school because with school counselors and psychologists sometimes they're like a little bit more behind closed doors you only really know who you are if you see them but with me like I can go to assembly I can introduce myself I can like be a really great point of call for all that sort of stuff which has led lower level kids to be able to see me and high level kids or you know they just go you're a well-being person so I can come to you about like anything and everything whereas I think With the school counsellors, teachers will refer them, year advisors will refer them, students can self-refer as well, but usually it's higher level things or things where kids aren't coping as well. So, and they can also do things like assessments and safety plans and things like that, that I can't, so. If kids speak to me about self-harm and suicidal thoughts, I will support the kid in that, but usually they have to go to the school counsellor and I can go with them to create that safety plan to make sure that they're safe
0: as well. Oh, okay. <laughs> I love the role. I just, I just, I know how much of a difference it makes and I know how passionate you are about it as well. Um, so if a parent's concerned about their teen in relation to mental health or risky and challenging behaviour, how would they communicate that with the school?
1: Firstly, I guess, I think it's really important that they know that schools deal with like every issue under the sun. So if they're worried about telling the school that they're going to be judged or anything like that, we deal with everything and it's not something we're unheard of or that we don't know how to deal with. So just to try, take that first step and know that we're not going to judge you and we're happy and we're so happy when parents come forward and say something's not right or something's going on um the more information the school has the better because we can only see what's going on at school but if they stop attending or things are going on outside of school we don't necessarily get to know or see that straight away we might notice changes in mood and behavior but people at home have a way better understanding of what's going on with their young person sometimes Um, so you can contact the school you can contact the office you can ask to speak to a deputy their teacher their year advisor me or an SSO not just me um, (laughs) or the school counselors and I think it's important to know that we have connections to other resources as well so we can be a great link and then if you feel a little bit wary about letting the school know that something's going on you can always just ring and say hey like can you check in with x like I think they're struggling like I know they really get along with this teacher or like this person like can you just have a check-in with them
0: yeah yeah it's um it's great advice i just it sort of dawned on me the other day that parents really are first responders to their teenagers or to their children when um when there's a crisis and we don't have a book and there really is no book in this era with the new digital age and things like that so i feel that if we can try and let go of the stigma a little bit and 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 put some trust in these wonderful organizations and brilliant brilliant supports within the schools. Um, Together, we can work at supporting the children. So yeah, thank you for that. Um, It's also a big barrier for teenagers stigma and they often don't want their peers to know that they're seeing a counsellor or someone else about their problems. And I know this isn't an issue for you because students talk to you. (laughs) However, how do you work with teens for them to seek further help?
1: I guess it's really mindful that the vast majority of young people want a connection so when I first started my role I came out of lockdown and literally I set foot in the school and my first thing was going around to as many different groups of kids as I could introducing myself my name what I do because kids notice you they notice when you're new in a school they're like who's that person and I was like you know what I'm gonna talk to them and let them know and so many of them were so friendly and then if they saw me later, they'd say hi. So I think building your profile in a school, especially with a job like I have is so important. And I think that's what I really like about my role is I can go do those things and I can speak at assembly or I can go to year six orientation or like any of those things where I can kind of speak to myself on what I do and have kids know that I'm a support. Um, I think having all kids know who I am really greatly reduces the stigma of seeing me. And I don't like to label any kids, but my goal when I first started at the school was to see the undesirable kids. And I was like, you know, they're the kids I really need to make a connection with. And once they started seeing me, all the other kids just went, Oh, if they see that, if they see her, why can't I? So regularly um at the moment because we're getting a new building we don't really have office runners at the moment so I go to classrooms and get kids and every time I go ask to get a kid I have like several others say take me instead or when are you taking me so there's really no stigma about seeing me um the other thing I'm really cautious of is sometimes like when I go to get a kid like their friends like oh what are you seeing them for So I have like a little trick of sleeves up my back, like, and I say like, oh, you know, we're just going to talk about attendance. Um, We're talking about N awards, Um, that person truanted. So we're just going to have a little chat about that. And then when we get to my office, then we can talk about the real stuff. But it's sort of the kids know that I'll protect what we're talking about, which is obviously super important because we've got to build that trust.
0: And you did mention your office. And I don't think it's a regular office, is it? (laughs)
1: Um. I'm very lucky. I have my own office. Um, It is full of really calming stuff and fidget toys. And my fidget toys break constantly, but I get new ones. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a really, I'm really lucky to have the space that I do. And, you know, I love decorating. So I've decorated it. But the kids really appreciate it. Like some of them come in and they're like, oh, my God, it's just such a nice space. Um, So they appreciate when you have nice things as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a safe space by the sounds of it. So, yeah, well done for creating that. Um, So what are some of the issues that you're being presented with in the schools by students? Look, look,
1: I think schools, it doesn't matter where you are, what context you're in, um, there's always issues everywhere. There's no such thing as perfect schools and young kids' not going through anything it doesn't matter what postcode you're in or geographically there's always issues and concerns um it really depends on the day what i deal with but i deal with everything under the sun so sometimes it's friendship and relationship problems sometimes it's stress it can be attendance issues it could be anger anxiety depression self harm suicidal thoughts vaping because that's become really popular amongst our young people um antisocial behavior So getting in trouble outside of school as well, substance abuse issues, if they're getting involved with police issues, domestic violence, sexual assaults, family breakdowns, grief and loss. So young people go through so much stuff and I think it's really important that we recognise and understand it and we don't just trivialise what they're
0: going through. Wow, what a list, huh? I think I'm just sort of (laughs) recovering from that still. Yeah, so there's a lot going on. Absolutely. And yeah, so just a providing a space, safe space for people to just to to let it out and to be relaxed, and someone a friendly face that is a safe space, safe place as well. Um, and do you find that many parents contact with, contact you?
1: Um, I think it really depends. Like I do have parents contact me, so sometimes like over the holidays or the weekend, I'll have parents contact me to say like, you know, my kid's gotten in trouble. Like this has happened. Can you please talk to them? Um, if they are seeking support outside of school, I've had parents ask if it's okay if I can touch base with their psychologist or those sorts of people. So I'm happy to give like insight and work together as, you know, that wraparound support. Um, I've had parents talk to me about their child's anger and behavior, like being concerned about where that's coming from and how to help with it. Um, And mental health concerns are a big one too. So mainly around risk-taking or anger or mental health and I guess the hard thing is you know when you're ringing school like we're saying something's not okay and we're usually stressed and overwhelmed as the parent or the carer because it's a lot to deal with and navigate with a young person so I guess my job is to reassure them that they're really doing a fantastic job and they're going through a really hard time and the more of us that are involved the easier it'll be and the quicker the young person will feel grounded and get the support in place that's going to help them.
0: Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you. So so obviously parents can reach out to student support officers when they feel that there's just something not, not right.
1: Absolutely.
0: Um, we've noticed that school refusal is becoming a bigger problem. Um, I don't know if there's if you can suggest any strategies or what next step parents can and carers can consider if school refusal is becoming an issue at their house for their teen.
1: I think the tricky thing with school refusal is the greatest success for intervention is if we can actually get them in the door. So if we can try flag something's not right a little bit early on, even if you're like you just have like a hunch but you don't fully know then it can help because there's probably someone at that school that that young person connects with. And if we can, you know, go, oh, like, X is struggling, let's sit them down with Sam or let's sit them down, that might just be the conversation they need to help them go, hey, someone cares about me here. I want to keep coming. Um, Unfortunately, that's not always the case and it doesn't always happen that way and school refusal becomes really hard. Schools can be pretty flexible. So some of the things we do at my school is partial attendance. So that means the kid might only come for one or two periods a day. So that means there's flexibility and choice in trying to encourage that kid back to school. We have some kids where we're like, if you even just come for five minutes, that's amazing. So if they can be successful in that one or two periods, then we build up the periods to try and reintegrate them back in. And I guess having things at school that are kind of a draw card to them so what's at school that makes them want to go because obviously we don't all love school but do we have really great well-being facilities do we have TAFE opportunities are there things that are relevant there and help me feel connected Um, if we're worried about attendance ask for a meeting come in if you can or speak on the phone Um, so we can try triage some support and see if there's anything externally that we can try offer as well to help and then usually if their attendance drops too much they go on the homeschool liaison officer's caseload so they're like a special person employed to work with kids that have low attendance and try to figure out what the barriers are to help them reconnect.
0: Wow okay I'm actually writing down some (laughs) of these things that I, I haven't heard of like the partial attendance and that's, it's really, really good information. And I think the more information and awareness that we have, the better that we're going to be equipped to support, to support our young ones. Um, so within the school, as well as these strategies, uh, I'm aware of that can help students when they're facing challenges, such as, such as a timeout card, if they're struggling, or if they've got um, issues with the anxiety or, or things like that. Um, Can you explain how schools can implement implement student safety plans to help them feel supported and safe?
1: Yeah. So, look, timeout cards are pretty, like, universal, but I think they're a great tool and I constantly recommend them to the young people I work with because we're trying to stop them from reaching their trigger point. So whether that's anxiety or anger, you know, we want you to time out, we want you to leave the situation so we can regulate ourselves because self-regulation is such an important tool and skill And if we can learn not to react, because people are going to frustrate us in life, um, but it's not always worth reacting. So timeout cards are great um, because it allows them to leave the situation. So we're giving them a choice. We're not trying to keep them stuck there because usually when we feel stuck, we get backed into a corner and that's when things don't go well for us. Um, Safety plans are a little bit different. So usually safety plans are put in place if a child is showing like, extreme anger or violence or we're worried about their safety in relation to like self-harm or suicidal thoughts so if we deem it appropriate we work with the principal the deputies and the school counselor Um, they're the three that will kind of make up the plan and talk about what the child's triggers are how do we support them and that's where like myself as the SSO or year advisors or other staff can be part of the support plan so if we know when this child gets triggered These are the strategies we're going to try. And this is a supportive person that they find within the school. So I have situations where like kids will come see me because they've decided to time out. And then, you know, my job is to register that they're with me. So they're accounted for. So
0: we know that they're safe and they're okay. Wow. Okay. Thank you. That was a great explanation. Um, Okay. So we're getting near to the end of my questions at the moment, but I think a really good thing is for parents to be able to support both the child and the school in with information or anything really that is that they know that's going on with the child. I think we've touched on this, but is there anything that you can add to that?
1: I guess it's just about doing your best and trying not to let your own worry or stigma get in the way of having your young person get the help and support that they need because schools aren't there to judge and schools have like a wealth of knowledge and resources or people that they know are connected with so trying to go okay I need to do this even though it's hard and it's scary the benefit of it is probably going to be better um i think the great thing about my role is like sso's are made to work with young people and schools are a first point of call for lots of things just like parents you know we kind of notice when a kid's got something got up or they're a bit different so usually i think my role coming in is really awesome as well because young people feel more comfortable in places they're familiar with so having that first conversation or sit down at school where they know school and they're familiar with school can be less scary and daunting and the other thing we can do is we can have the external people come in and meet at the school. So they're at a place where they feel comfortable and it's convenient for them. Um, sometimes I just set up a meeting space and they have the meeting themselves. But if the kid feels a bit nervous, I go in and I assist in the meeting. So the kid has someone they're familiar with. They know that they're I'm there to support them. And then the external person's coming in. So it kind of just breaks that barrier down. It's not like oh, I'm going to this scary place and I'm meeting this stranger.
0: Yeah, and it it um it breaks down as you say the barrier of of getting getting to a place because often a child might change their mind if there's two yep. weeks down the track or something like that. So the fact that organisations are now working so closely with schools is just something that parents really really should be aware of and know and and reach out as well. So I know that Epic is in contact with a lot of organisations we've got a lot of the resources on our website but we we really do keep in contact and they really want to help and to support
1: absolutely young i think that's the biggest yeah. thing i've found as well is especially at schools this like the agencies i've contacted this year being my like first year in the role they're so excited to be in schools yeah. they want to be in schools they want to help young people and they want to help parents so yeah. Building that network is so invaluable.
0: Yeah, and I'm also aware that that parents can actually contact the organisations and see whether or not they will work within a school if the school maybe ne- not hasn't necessarily been there. I'm not saying you know force anything in that way. However, schools may not some schools may not be aware, um, but there's a lot of schools in the area that do take on board the organisations and and it's helping. It's working together. And not only that, and I mean it can also help with pathways to something else. If 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 a child is feeling that they have to be at school, which is sort of what we're conditioned to do from yeah. the very beginning, like from the age of four or five, is to be at school until they finish and they're really struggling to be there. I'm not saying that don't, but there's ways that you can work alongside, like like with as you said, you can do TAFE within schools and things like yeah. that that might might um lead into something as a pathway for something further on and also stimulate you know a different a different way of learning. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Now open slatter sam, is there anything else that you can share with us that would be helpful or or anything, any insight? Look,
1: I would say the vast majority of the students that I have come into my office, the number one thing they want to have is they want to be listened to and they want to be heard. So their common frustration, and it's not just with adults, it's with their friends and stuff as well, that when they're trying to talk about a problem, sometimes people don't just listen. They go into like solutions mode or like they try offer advice about a situation. So then the kid starts going, oh, it's not about me anymore. Like it's sort of detracted because I was trying to share and be open, but now we're trying to fix my problem. And I just wanted them to listen. So when I have kids come into my office, I'm like, you know, do you want, solutions? Do you want advice or do you just want me to listen? So then they're communicating what they need to me, which is helpful. Um, the other thing that I find as well, when I talk about, you know, with students, if they've told mum or dad, or would they tell mum or dad or carer or whoever's at home, they're really worried about being judged. And they're really worried about the reaction of that person, because more often than not, the teenager knows that they've done the wrong thing. They know that they've been risky or they've messed up and they want to tell an adult, but they just don't want to be in trouble or yelled at or judged. They just want to be listened to because they know that if they got drunk at a party and someone passed out and then they got really scared and they didn't know what to do, they want to tell the adult that that happened, but then they go, oh, but I'm going to get in trouble. So it kind of as hard as it is to not judge and to not get angry and to not react, doing your best and then knowing if your young person's going to say something that triggers you, just say, hey, like I need some time to process this like and I'll come back to you when I'm ready because I think so often we react without thinking and we need to model the behaviour that we want our young people to have. So taking that time to process or absorb what they've said before we react and respond is really important because we want them to learn how to do that um my other really big tip is young people hate eye contact <laughs> um, for the most part they really do so with me in my office they're okay with it but like with mum or dad or care or someone really important to them and they're trying to talk about something really hard or scary for them the eye contact can be really overwhelming um, so I try to offer them a space where they don't have to look at me. So I have all these fidget toys and I don't expect them to look at me when they talk. So in the car is a really great space to talk with your young person because you're driving, but obviously it depends on what they tell you because you might react and <laughs> we're on the road, but a space where they don't feel like they have to look at you. Um, also texting is a blessing and a curse because I find a lot of young people want to text their parent or carer or something. And they want that to just continue in text message, but then maybe the parent or carer goes into their room to then talk about it or then rings them to talk about it, but they felt comfortable trying to talk about it in text. So I guess trying to figure out how your young person likes to communicate and it might not be your favorite way of communicating, but you're going to get the most out of it if you kind of do what they're comfortable with.
0: Oh, man, I'm so glad I asked that question. (laughs) I'm going to have to go back and listen just to write those ones down. Like really, really, really good. And just probably stuff in the back of our minds that we might know, but hearing them I think makes it so much easier to instigate. Thank you. Thank you. Now, I think you've answered a question that I wanted to ask you at the end, but because you've answered that one so well... um, I know you love
1: your job what is it that you love about it I don't even know where to start um I just think it's so awesome being in a role that's all about well-being and it's all about teenagers in a school I think having this come into practice since last year is like incredible and I think it's going to be so empowering and so beneficial to young people, because I go in with so much enthusiasm every single day. Um, Every day is different. And I love that because you're working with young people and the fact that they learn to trust you and they want to come to you about stuff, you know, it's really special and I never take it for granted because for some of these kids, it's the first time they've ever thought about their feelings, emotions, or mental health. And for them to trust me, and start building that relationship you know it's really powerful and I know that it's really special and to be that first point of call hopefully down the track they learn something from working with me they learn something from the group that I run with them Um, they learn that feelings and emotions and mental health are okay and that they can start having those conversations with other people or they learn that it's okay to get support and I think it's really great because my role doesn't have the stigma that I can be that little, that person that plants the seed to try to get them that additional help. And it takes a long time. I'm not saying it's easy for every kid. I've worked with some kids for six months, 12 months, and they're still not ready yet, but it's that constant idea of, you know, you can do this, um, And acknowledging their wins as young people. Like I think teenagers get such a bad rap and I always say to them how lucky I am to work with them and like how much they have to offer. Um, Most teenagers are fabulous and they just want to have a chat with you and they want to know that you're listening. And, you know, I get told all sorts of things under the sun. I always get asked if, you know, am I your favourite student or all that sort of stuff? Because, you know, they want a connection. So I'm really privileged to be able to work in a school. I mean, I have no words for how great I think the job is.
0: Oh, wow, man. Like really, thank you. Really, thank you so much. And it's because of you that I know what goat means, Sam. (laughs) (laughs) Greatest of all time. And that was told to you by a troubled teen. I remember that day when I learned that and just Googled it. So just thank you for your incredible support of teens and of their families. Like, I personally am extremely grateful to you and to your passion and and thank you for sharing your insights and wisdom today.
1: Mm, Thanks for having me and thank you for the incredible work that you do because you're the missing piece of the puzzle.
0: (laughs) Thank you. Thanks, Sam. (laughs) Thank you for listening to this epic conversation. Please consider sharing the episode with other caregivers of teens. And if you give us a rating, it helps share the love too. A big thanks to West Fund Health Insurance for funding this podcast series. Bye for now.